breaks up the unity within the diversity. But humility says, even though that isn't my passion, because it's there, if it's God's passion, then I'm happy that part of my greater body, the body of Christ, that passion is supposed to function. And brothers and sisters, to me, this is a very, very powerful reality. That the way God wants the gifts of the Spirit to function is within all of us, together, All the gifts are there. There's a unique bond in the church. As you'll learn today, it's set up as a representation of Christ, each person taking on a different aspect of his character and work in the world. Will everyone be teachers like Jesus? No. Will everyone perform miracles? No. Pastor Daniel will talk with you today about the diversity that can and does exist in the church and why it's important to embrace one another's different spiritual qualities. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as he continues his message, Unity, Diversity, and Charity. Jesus and belief in the true and living God is not popular in 21st century America. Why? Because we live in a day and age where everybody wants it their own way right? Everybody wants to be the center of their solar system. Everybody believes this is all about me. But the beauty of believing in Jesus is that you and I learn the reality that we are not in first place. We get second place. That the world was not created with us at the center of our lives where everything is designed to revolve around us. But Jesus is the center of all things. He deserves that place of preeminence. And as followers of Jesus, we joyfully say, he's got to increase and I need to decrease. And what people don't like about believing in Jesus is Jesus doesn't say, if you believe in me, I will give you everything you want. And everybody just wants the great cosmic vending machine who's like, well, if you believe in me, you're going to get, insert your favorite car. You're going to get, you know, healthy, wealthy, and wise. You're going to get to live to be 100, but you're still going to look like you're 18, you know? (laughs) And the thing is, is our culture sells this lie that everything exists to make you happy. Now, it might be true that at Burger King, you can get it your way. It might be true when you go to the coffee shop, you can get your coffee your way. It might be true that when you go on Amazon, you can get what you want in two days. But spiritually speaking, that is not spiritual reality. And the sooner we learn the fact that God did not create everybody around us to revolve around us, That is the most freeing reality that we get to walk in. And I realize that's unpopular, but guess what? When I learned that everything in life didn't exist for my pleasure, that everybody didn't exist to fill my needs, was the very first day that I began to walk in the truth. Because God didn't create everything to revolve around us. Everything fits together with Jesus at the center. And the gifts of the Spirit... You can't beg the spirit for it. I mean, you can pray for it, but if he doesn't will to give you that gift, no matter how much you want it, it's not his will. 
And one of the things we learn as believers is to pray, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And that is the most horrifying prayer to a self-centered culture, isn't it? When you say, God, not what I want, but what you want. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom. Not the things that I'm hoping for, but Lord, what's your dreams for this situation? And we willingly and joyfully learn how to take the second place behind a God who not only would die on the cross for the sins of the world, but would wash the disciples' feet. And we say, God, everything doesn't exist for me. We exist for you. And that frees us in this world to realize that there's something so much bigger than just us. See, because the story is not only that there's diversity of gifts. There's more to that story. Look at what it says. First Corinthians chapter 12, picking up in verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Verse 14, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not of the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. See, what we learn now is that the unity and the diversity exist in one body. See, before we saw it was all about the diversity of gifts, now we find that there's unity and diversity, and it exists together in the one body, the body of Christ. So I think it's fascinating that in talking about the spiritual gifts, but even though Paul is explaining that there are different gifts, by the time we get to the end of this chapter, he's saying, are all apostles? The answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. That's what he's saying. Not everybody does all those things. 
But what he's saying is that although there are different gifts, because we are one body, the whole body has the gifts. And it's not about the individual who is carrying the gifts. It's about the totality of the body where all the gifts happen. Now, again, this is important because we live in a very individualistic age where everyone thinks my life is my own. I, I can, I'm the autonomous self, right? And, and what all the research in our generation is telling us is that the autonomous self does not do well functioning as the autonomous self. We feel less connected, more anxiety. We want deeper connections. And this was always in the Bible, that each one of us has gifts that we bring, but we're supposed to bring them together. And as the people of God, everything we need is contained within us, not just with you. And this reality is becoming more and more understood in our day and age because people are struggling trying to live an autonomous life on our own, and we're finding ourselves just really not happy. And I'm here to tell you, all of the books about how to be happy and all the ways that we try and say, I'm going to get this thing done and I'm going to be my best self. Listen, the Bible teaches that in and of yourself, you do not contain all the gifts that are necessary for you to be a healthy person. The whole thing is I complete myself wrong. Jesus completes us, and then he puts us into something greater than ourselves. And I think the great struggle of our day and age is to be okay with the diversity of gifts when we come together as the body. Because for most of us, when somebody is different from us in our insecurity, we want to push the differences away. We're like, we have our passions, and we think, why doesn't everyone have my passion? Guess what? They were never supposed to. You put us all together, and then all the passions are the passion of God to see change in the world. But as an individual, not one of us has all the passions. And it's one of the things I love so much about the Crossroads family, who we are as a church, because we have great diversity ethnically. We have great, you know, we're an intergenerational church. There's older people and younger people. You know, we have people coming from all different backgrounds, and we have people with all different passions. And instead of saying... We really care about missions, but we don't do anything locally. And some people are like, no, no, no. We have to care about our community. Like, yeah, we do both of those, right? There are churches where they're literally like, people are arguing, we should be focusing on new believers. No, no, we should be focusing on growing up believers. I say, we are doing both. Because in a lot of ways, you do foreign missions, bringing the gospel across cultures, so that once you establish a church, you can do local ministry, right? In the same way, we do evangelism, when people come to know Jesus for the first time, so that then we can do discipleship. See, these things all work together, right? Some people say, oh, we should focus on worship. Oh, we should focus on service. Guess what? When you worship, then you become a servant. Like, all these things fit together, but we have a tendency to not like the diversity of gifts. We just want the unity. And one of the things that our culture teaches us, and I think it's unfortunate because it doesn't work, is that unity comes from uniformity. That the only way to be unified is everyone's exactly the same. And pretty much our culture is teaching us, especially in our current political climate, that if you do not agree with somebody, that they're an idiot. And I'm here to tell you that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13 tells us that there's a better way to look at it. Because maybe what we need is we need to see it from both sides, because maybe there's wisdom on both sides. Maybe the polarization of our culture is not founded 
in true unity, it's actually founded in brokenness and sinfulness. And what we find here is that the eye should not look down on the ears. The nose should not look down on the mouth. If everything was an eye, is it a body? No, it's an eye. And guess what? An eye detached from the brain does not see. A mouth detached from a digestive system does not function well. A mouth without a nose. How many of you ever tried to go to your favorite restaurant with your nose clogged? Isn't it the worst? It's like you got your favorite meal in front of you. You can't taste it. Why? Because part of tasting, it's not just driven in your mouth. It's driven in your nose. So if all you have is the mouth without the nose, you actually can enjoy the food. and say, We can still nourish you because everything else works. But part of the enjoyment comes from the nose. And really what Paul is saying here is that we have to realize, although there is a diversity of gifts, it's supposed to function in one body. Supposed to function well, but and listen to how the apostle Paul speaks about this. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling of which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. See, Paul is saying that to the church in Ephesus. He's saying to us, he's like, listen, because there's different gifts, we have to remember that we should walk worthy of the calling with which we are called with lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering or patience, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Why? Because there's only one body. There's only one Lord Jesus. There's only one spirit. There's only one baptism. There's really only one faith. So he's saying in the diversity, remember unity. Now, brothers, listen, what we learn in that verse also is that the reason disunity happens is because of pride. Disunity happens because of pride. Walk worthy of the calling which you're called with all lowliness, with all gentleness. So pride breaks up the unity within the diversity. But humility says, even though that isn't my passion, Because it's there, if it's God's passion, then I'm happy that part of my greater body, the body of Christ, that passion is supposed to function. And brothers and sisters, to me, this is a very, very powerful reality. That the way God wants the gifts of the Spirit to function is within all of us, together, all the gifts are there. And our job is to realize that when God gives the gift to somebody else or a different passion, our job is not to wish that they weren't here or it's so hard that person's so challenging because they're so always talking about going and telling people about Jesus and I just want to take care of this thing right in front of me. Is to begin to realize that all of this together is what the body of Christ is supposed to be. But what I've learned over walking with Jesus for about 20 years, what I've seen in the body of Christ in general, is that right as somebody feels like their gift is the most important gift, they take their marbles and they go play on their own. So like, if you're not going to let this be the most important thing, I'm going to go take my marbles over here. And I'm going to do it over here. In my, I'm going to start my own ministry. 
over here, you know? And you know what happens when that happens? Nothing good. Because almost never do those ministries actually start. They never really stay. It's just somebody taking their marbles on their own. And I think what God wants is he wants us to work hard to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. God wants us to make room in our hearts for people who have diverse giftings and passions from us. I would say when we look at our world today that we need the greatest wisdom on both sides of the aisle. These issues are not monolithic. They're complicated. We love a soundbite culture on issues that need deep thought. And what I can tell you as somebody who doesn't have a dog in the fight because my only goal is Jesus and his kingdom. The kingdoms of this world come and go. Leaders come and go. Political parties come and go. Or I wish they would. You know, and like, it's like this stuff comes and goes. But Jesus never changes. And what I really, my hope in this generation is that people on both sides of the aisle, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle can stop being political and start working together because we've got some serious problems in this world. In the same way that I think that in our families, as we were watching families break down, we need to come with humility and say, listen, we need to work this out because kids need moms and dads. We look at our communities. We look at what's going on in our communities. We need to bring people together and say, listen, we need to figure out how to fix this stuff. How do we fix it? And we need everyone involved. When it comes to educating our kids, we need parents and teachers and administrators and city officials because they're all, all of them are involved in all of this stuff. But what we have now is we have everybody with their marbles talking to themselves, living in a vacuum, completely separated from one another, And all we have is division everywhere because people are not humble enough to say, we may not agree, but we have to work together. And again, pride's what drives that. But humility gives the space in our hearts. And I just want to encourage you simply this, in the areas where you find yourself feeling divisive, where you start to want to take your marbles and play only with you and people who are just like you, right? I just want you to say, Lord, Humble me so that as part of your body, I can be somebody who works for unity in the essentials and I can make space for diversity in the non-essentials. Does that make sense? Now, at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul gives us a little signal. Notice what he says. But earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I will show you a more excellent way. He's saying, listen, desire the best gifts, but I got something even better. Now look at what it says. First Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. 
But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. But now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. In all the discussions of the spiritual gifts, what the Apostle Paul is trying to make sure we understand is that the goal is love, love, and more love. That's the goal of it all. It's love, love, and more love. I always think when I ever say this, the goal is love, I always think of Lynn's dad, my father-in-law, Paul, who I love so much. He always say, it's all about the L-O-V-E. Because you know, you know when, you, when, you, when you spell L-O-V, everyone knows what you're spelling, right? So, but he would always say L-O-V, and they'd be like, E, you know? But what's amazing is, is that's really what this is all about. Because he's saying, look, desire the best gifts. But then he says, look, if you can prophesy, and if you have to can speak with all the tongues of men and of angels, but if you don't have love, you're just noise. He's like, look, if you can understand every mystery, if every puzzle you can figure out, but you have not love, you got nothing. He's like, if you're the most generous person, if you give away everything you have and you even give up your life for your faith, but you have not love, it profits you nothing. Why? Because really what it's saying is that the gifts of the spirit are designed to be a vehicle of God's love into his church, to build his church up so that the world may know who God is. Brothers and sisters, listen, you have to realize love is the mission. It's never been anything other than that. See, in the King James Bible, it's this word love, this agape, self-sacrificial love. It's translated as the word charity. That's why you get this unity and diversity and all things charity. He's saying, look, in the essentials, we have unity. And in the non-essentials, there's diversity. But in all things, love is the mission. Now, you don't believe me. Listen to what Jesus said. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have, one for another. So Jesus is saying, look, the commandment I'm giving you, I want you to love one another. And then he says something so powerful. He's saying, the way that I loved you, I want you to love each other. You're perfect, right? Everything you do and say and think is above reproach, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, okay, you already know there's not a single person who could say that they're that way every second of every day. Yet Pastor Daniel reminded you today that God still sent his son to save you, even in your humanness. And that incomparable love he has for you He's asking you to go love others in the same way. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy and the hard reality is if it isn't messy for you now, it will be 
and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Today's message wrapped up the Life Hack series, exploring the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Pastor Daniel encouraged you again and again to embrace this incredible power in your life that can only be provided by the Holy Spirit. He brings direction, words, comfort, peace, and gifts that you wouldn't be able to create on your own. If you've given your life to Christ, ask today to receive the Holy Spirit too. He's the greatest life hack you could ever have. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.